All right, good morning. You're going to have a seat. How's everybody doing? All right, a little bit better than the nine, but to be fair, it was really eight, right? So I, um, one thing I realized, I've never heard a parent ever say, thank God for daylight savings, right? No one's ever, no parent has ever said that. It's amazing. Um, so uh, I am very grateful. Last week, if you were with us, um, Pastor Bob got us off to a great start with our uh, great prayer series, small series that we're doing, just looking at some prayers in the Bible that we can, we can learn from. Um, I hope he told you, but I was not on vacation. Far from it. All right. Myself and uh, six other leaders courageously took 24 of our students, our teens, up to Monadnock. Um, had a lot of fun. Slept a little bit. Right. Uh, and, uh, and God stirred hearts, uh, not just to the teens, but with us as well. So it's just amazing what camp will do. If you ever get a chance, whether it's a ladies retreat or men's retreat or whatever, family retreat, um, go do it because it's, it's worth it for sure. So I'm not as young as I once was when I used to do that all the time in my 20s. I needed a few days to recuperate. So um, t- today I, I want to talk about this guy uh, lived a long time ago and he was in this really desperate situation in his life, like a storm, right? We might call it storm in his life where kind of like Bob's prayed, rock in a hard place. Um, what do I do? What do I do? So, to make it worse, he was a king. And so why does that make it worse? Well, when you're a king, you have a lot of people who see that storm as well, and they were looking to him. What are you going to do? And that just puts, like, maybe you've, whether you let a family or you lead in, in a company or you just got people who look to you that can get really, really scary. That burden can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so what we're going to see, he literally had the burden written on a message, he had it written down. He didn't write it. It was sent to him, and, and, and as we'll see. And, 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 and so he had to decide, what do I do? Because I got no answer to this. Right? A storm is raging. And what we find he's going to do is he's going to go into the presence of God, and he's going to physically, not just kind of spiritually, cast his burden. But he's going to take this burden. He's going to physically put it into the presence of God, and he's going to lay an anchor in that storm an anchor of faith through prayer. So my question this morning is what for you, and and it's for you to answer, not to tell me, but what if this was your life, what would be written on it? What burden? I actually wrote uh, one of mine on here. What is it? None of your business, all right? So it's between me and God. But I did because I, I don't want it just to just be an empty piece of paper. I want you to see it like, like I got them too. And, 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 and for you, you know, it might be something like that. Or you're like, Jamie, I, that's just, my burdens, that's not going to be enough. I need something like this, right? And I need to lay this before, right? And maybe that's you. I, I, I don't know. But what we're going to see is this king, his name is Hezekiah, found in 2 Kings. And one of my most favorite prayers uh, of scripture and what we can learn. But before we learn from that, we should pray, right? So let's pray. Lord, We come before you with your word. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you you've gathered us here. And I thank you that you are moving in our hearts, every one of us. Lord, some of us just haven't recognized it yet. And I pray that we would before we leave today. Whatever you would want uh, to do in my life and in the lives of your people, and in the lives that are not yet your people, but you plan to call them, I pray you would do that today. Stir us up, teach us, 
simply how to pray, how to cast the burdens of our heart to you and before you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So it'll be tough to follow along, but you can try. Uh, I'm not going to put it every single verse, but it's 2 Kings 18 and 19. That's where the story of Hezekiah is found. Well, 22, but we're not going to go into his old age. But his prayer is found specifically in, in chapter 19. Hezekiah became the king of Judah and Jerusalem when he was 25. So when I was 25, <laughs> that's, that's, that's rough to think about. And, and yet he became king. And, and if you remember, when Solomon died, king of Israel, he was the last unified king of Israel, there was civil war. And there was a northern tribe. They had a capital of Samaria. And then there was a southern tribe of Judah, capital Jerusalem. That was where the line of David and the reigned uh, in Jerusalem. And so that's who Hezekiah was ruling. And it was a time in history where there was this superpower. Uh, there usually was superpowers, right? And, and it was Assyria. And they were cruel and they were known for for their cruelty, and they would go and they would just swallow up nations, burn their gods, and, and put a puppet king in place. And that was when Hezekiah reigned. But before we get to his storm, I want you to see what the writer king says uh, about Hezekiah, because it's really important. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For, now look at this, this is him before any storm, right? This is him just kind of reigning as king. His character says he held fast to the Lord. Most of the kings didn't do that. Some did, but most didn't. He held fast to the Lord in faith. He would challenge anyone who tried to put a high place up to a different God. He would make sure all idols were ripped down. He, he, he did what it took because he was in faith holding fast to the Lord. That's so important because when the storm comes, he already had this faith to lay anchor. Okay, he continued, the, the writer continues, says, he did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Wherever he went out, he prospered. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and would not serve him. Ah, that's the red flag right there. That's what's going to bring the storm. So the king of Assyria, uh, of Assyria his name was Sennacherib, and um, Assyria, as I said, was terrifying. In fact, Assyria had conquered the northern tribe, Samaria and Israel. Like they have already been conquered by by Assyria. But there was this four-year period after that happened, as they were conquering the world, that Assyria was battling out with Babylon. And they would eventually win, but it took some time. So in that time, Hezekiah wasn't doing with all the other nations. He wasn't going to pay tribute. He wasn't going to, he was like, no, 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 I'm going to hold fast to the Lord, right? Which was a little easier to do, to be honest, when Assyria was distracted by Babylon. Eventually they win. Babylon would raise years later, but for now, Assyria wins. And you could almost picture in the story, Assyria beats Babylon, Hezekiah and Jerusalem, and it's just like Sennacherib and all of his armies go, okay, Jerusalem. What do you got to say now? And they start marching. He didn't march himself. He sent three of his uh, uh, officers with this huge army to march on Judah and King Hezekiah. Before he gets there, Hezekiah's like, oops, I shouldn't have done that. And, and, and so he, he freaks out a little bit. And so he gets all the treasures they have. He even takes like gold off the doors. And he, and he pays all of it to, um, to, 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 uh, to Assyria, hoping that this would keep them from coming and crushing them. But it doesn't work. They take all the money and they keep coming. 
And so Hezekiah knows that means they're going to try to displace me. They're going to put a puppet king. I'll probably be dead. This isn't going to go well at all. And so they come right to the, um, to the, to the doors, of, of, to, the, to the wall of the city of Jerusalem. And, and Hezekiah doesn't go himself. He sends three of his own officers and, and the walls between them, they begin to interact. And Assyria used this, these three strategies that we know in history they would use on any nation they conquered. The first one makes a lot of sense. It's fear. Like, it's like, oh, oh, oh you're going to beat us? The, the best soldier you got wouldn't even make our worst battalion, right? We're going to crush you if you don't just give in. Fear. Second strategy, religion, interestingly enough. They would say things like this. They would say, your gods are not anywhere near powerful enough to help you. Right? Our king is greater than your gods. So they said that. Third strategy was go after, in their own language, the common people, if they could overhear them. Because if you can get the common people who are going to do all the fighting to not follow their king, they're already sunk. And so they said things like, don't follow your king. In fact, this is how, how it's described with them saying, and do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his, hand, his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim uh, and Hena and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their lands out of my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand? In other words, don't trust Hezekiah. Don't trust your God. We're too powerful. We're too great. You should just give in. In fact, they even said, you'll have a nice life in Assyria. And it just describes the people, they fall silent. Not because they believed this. At that point, the reputation of Assyria was too great. They were like, no, 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 there's no good life for us. But they also realized we're desperate. They're right. We're in deep trouble. And so the officers, in great humility, they go back to tell, um, to tell Hezekiah about it. And, and Hezekiah hears this, and I call it spiritual guts. When you're a king, anyone in king in here? No, I really want to know. I'd like to talk to you if you're a king. All right, uh, just James. Okay, all right, just James. Um, so, so you're not. But if you were a king, imagine, like, you, you kind of get full of yourself. You're pretty powerful, right? Like, it takes spiritual guts to do what Hezekiah did. He, he strips down into, uh, uh, he puts ashes and sackcloth. We actually have some sackcloth here. Should I do it? Should I do it? Okay, no, I won't do that. Okay. But he does that. He goes, goes, and he goes into the presence of God, into the temple of God. He sends word to a prophet um, that you probably have heard of. His name is Isaiah. And he sends word to him, we are in trouble. Pray for us. Pray for us. Must be nice to have someone like Isaiah to go to, right? All I got is Bob, you know. It's like... But to be fair, he did know Isaiah, so it's okay. It's all right. Um, he knows I was going to say it, and he hasn't quit yet. It's fine. Um, but it must, be, must have been great. He sends for it. And so Isaiah prays, and Isaiah sends back word. And he says, don't be afraid. Don't give in, because he's got two paths. He's like, my instinct says we should surrender. I might get crushed, but at least the people will be saved. But, but, but he says, no, no, no. Hold fast to God like you've been doing all your life. And he says, here's what Isaiah told him was going to happen. Another nation was going to distract Assyria. And it actually happened. He, he, he kept faith, and the nation Egypt uh, distracted uh, Assyria. So, so the officers of Assyria, before they leave to go deal with Egypt, it's like they're like, you know, like a parent saying, I'll be back. 
or Arnold Schwarzenegger, whichever one you, you, you choose, right? I will be back. Don't think this is the end, okay? And so they actually sent uh, a, a telegram, like a message, and they said, show this to Hezekiah. Right? Show this to him. And, 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 and I, I could give you the whole thing. I just want to give you, this kind of sums it up in verse 10, verse 10. It says, thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you. God's going to deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. It's the voice of the enemy saying, you can't trust God. That's not the voice of Sennacherib or Assyria. That's the voice of Satan himself. It's his oldest time. It's the same voice that whispers in your ear today, you can't trust God. He's not big enough. He's not powerful enough. He doesn't love you. Not you. Maybe other people, but not you. That's the enemy. Right? That's what he held in his hand, saying, we're going to be back, and you better not trust your God because it's not going to go well for you. And here's the thing. You know, don't you, it's, on one hand, it's good. They're dealing with Egypt, but, but now he's got time to think. Anyone like that? Oh, it's almost better for the crisis to just happen, and you've got to deal with it. But he's got a chance to sleep on it or not sleep on it, be worried about it. Think up solutions that might be cutting corners that I can maybe still sort of trust God, but do this to get us out of this mess. And he had time to simmer in that fear and that rock and a hard place and that burden. And he had this message before him. But, but in verse 14, it says, Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and he read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. This is the moment in that darkest storm so far and probably in his entire life. Probably rivaled only later on, he'd get real sick. That's about it. This is up to this point, the, 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 the most desperate time. And I just love how he just takes it, right? This is in physical form, even though it's a light little message, it's the greatest burden on my back. And it's just like, he just lays it before the Lord. He just lays it before the Lord. He literally does what the psalmist says, cast your burdens on the Lord, or what Paul wrote, like, like let your requests be made known to God. That's what he does. And, and, and he just, just puts an anchor in the middle of that storm, an anchor faith. But before we see how he prays, two quick lessons that I want you and I to see. Um, the first is because, you know, when I, before I would, I would preach every week, I would obviously be sitting like you are and, and, and listen. And there was sometimes, especially in my 20s, when, when my life, there was times where there was great joy in my life. And I often thought the sermon was kind of just swinging for those who were in those deep, dark places, which isn't a bad thing at all. But what about me? Like, I'm not, right? And so I want to talk to you. Praise God if you're in a, a spot of joy, okay? But I want you to know and learn from Hezekiah uh, this, this idea. Um, it's a little long. But here it is. You will pray big prayers like you prayed your small prayers. You will pray big prayers like you prayed your small prayers. 
things. And I don't mean insignificant. There's no insignificant prayer. I'm talking about the burdens you might have, even though it's a good spot right now of joy. Things are good, right? But you still have burdens. There are probably burdens you're going to forget about next week, next year. You know, you're not going to remember them. Not like the deep storms of your life that you always remember. You, you know, but they still exist. But here's the problem. When we're doing good, say, you know, uh, I, I'm in a time of joy. You know who uh, jacks up your joy the most? You, right? Me. Because what, what ends up happening is we, we, we believe our own hype and we think that, that we got this. It's our strength or our intellect or our knowledge or our, right? And, and, and so a problem happens and I can deal with this. I can deal with this. I can deal with this. Hezekiah didn't do that. All of his life he held fast to the Lord, right? And I would just argue with you that if he didn't go daily, even in the good times, to the presence of God, he wouldn't have known how to go into the presence of God in the deepest storm of his life. It's like any teacher or instructor will tell you, you play like you practice. You play like you practice. And so if you're in one of those spots where you're like, no, it's no big storms in my life right now, great. Keep going to God. Bring whatever burdens you do have to God. Bring burdens of other people in your life to God. Keep bringing them into the presence of the Lord because the storm will come and you will already know what to do. The second lesson that we learned so far is shorter, two words, pray first. <laughs> I don't want to bash Hezekiah because I don't think the scripture warrants it, but I did notice sort of the order of things. And it's the order of things that often we do. The trouble comes, what's the first thing Hezekiah did? He tried to come up with his own solution and he paid all that money. He didn't have to pay a cent, did he? They took it all anyway and still kept coming. So he was still in the same spot, but he did what a lot of us do. I could, oh, do I have money to pay this up, right? And he, and, he, and he did that first. It doesn't mean it was a bad solution necessarily, just don't do it first. The second thing he did, which is also awesome, was he got someone else, a godly man, to pray for him, right? Isaiah. That's a good thing to do too. And I want to remind you that for him, Isaiah was this, the word of the Lord. It wasn't just a godly guy giving advice. He was a prophet. Right? We, don't, we, we have Isaiah in here. We can read. And so, so he, he, he did. That's a good thing. And then lastly, we see he, he lays it before the Lord in praise. And so I just want to tell you, reverse the order. Reverse the order. Pray first. Yes, go to God's word. Yes, have godly people you ask counsel. There are going to be times where you need to take action. Pray first. Don't be like, well, I guess I should pray. I got nothing else to do. Praying is that important laying hold and faith what God might do in the burden that you have. Pray first. Okay, so um, it, it, it's, it's, he's, he's there, picture him, he's in the temple, he's before God, he's, he's laid that message before him, and then he says this. This is how he begins the prayer. I love this. This, this verse and the last verse are my favorite. It's a very short prayer, so I kind of like the whole thing. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord, and he said this. O Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God. You alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. What a start to a prayer, right? He's casting, he's going to make the request, but before he does that, here's what that anchor is really made of, right? In, in the middle of the storm lay an anchor of praise. 
You see, you and I, we sometimes, we, we remember to praise God when things are good. And that's, we should. But we sometimes forget to praise God when the tough times come. And I'm just saying, do it like Hezekiah. The darker it gets, the more you praise. Right? The, the, the harder it gets, the greater you lift up the name. You're God. You created God. Right? I'm not God. Right? Assyria's not God. Sennacherib's not God. You're God. You're God. Why do you do that? Primary reason that we praise him even in those storms of our life is because he is worthy. Period. Not because he might do something for me. Not because he's going to save me or rescue me. That he is God and he's worthy of my praise no matter what. He is good. He is just. He is creator. He is savior. He is God. And there is nothing like in the midst of a storm when the enemy is saying don't trust God for you to spit in the enemy's face and say God is worthy no matter what. We tell people when you're being demonically harassed or, or what, like pray worship music nonstop in your apartment or house. Watch how they flee. They hate a heart that praises God. Primarily, he's worthy. But the second reason you do it is because you benefit. Hezekiah benefited. He's in a terrifying spot, and it's easy to forget how, right? Like pretty soon, if you're not careful and you don't praise God enough, you're going to think you're talking to Santa Claus. You're not. You're talking to God. You're talking to the God. And if you forget that, your prayers become real weak. But if you continually praise them and remember it, you remember. Because if you're, the temptation, right, is like, man, I've seen you, God, like, like save marriages, but you're not going to save ours. I've seen you lift depression. It's not going to lift mine. It's too bad. I've seen you bring, bring reconciliation to that sinner, but not my sin. Like, that's, that's where our heart goes. But if you praise God... You are saying, but you're God. You can do it. It's not my power. It's not my strength. It's yours. I was reading a, a commentary, and I love this. He said, prayer doesn't change things, but what prayer is is laying hold of our God who changes things. It is he who does it. That's the anchor. So as Hezekiah lays it before God, how to pray, how to, how to do that. And I love it. It's simple. You can, because we get frozen up, right? It's a simple prayer. All right, it does begin with incline. I don't think anybody probably uses that a lot, but you can. But you just look at this, how simple it is. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. That didn't hurt either. Remember God, what he said about you. God probably didn't need the reminder, but still, right? You hear what he said about you, Dad? Go get him. But I love that aspect of look, see, and hear me in my distress. Because we can get really... Uh, paralyzed with how to pray, how to say it right, what to do, how to, right? Can't we? We just, can't, I don't know. Like when, when we were up uh, at the retreat last weekend, Word of Life, they had a, a worship team that led us in worship and they did this skit on prayer. And I really liked it. First of all, it was really funny. There was this guy up here and he kept having a friend come up one after another, just teaching him really bizarre ways to pray. And, and it was re really funny. But it, of course, by the end, there was that one friend who just said, what are you doing? Prayer is just 
simply talking to God. And it was beautiful. But one of my fears was that the end was going to be him all of a sudden just eloquently just saying this amazing prayer. I'm like, this wouldn't be realistic. But they didn't do that. And I love that. Instead, he just was like, God, I'm, I'm having a really, really hard time in my life right now. And I was just wondering if you could help me. Amen. That's a prayer, right? Like it showed our students, like that's all it is. It's just saying, God, help me. Right, just just incline your ear, right? Like so, so like wherever burden it is, just God see me, hear me in my sickness, see me in my in my loneliness. Just will you will you open your ears and hear me, and and in this marriage that's broken, and and this 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 sin that's gripped me, and then I know I shouldn't be doing it, but it's it's uh, help me, see me, hear me, help. Like that's prayer. That's what Hezekiah does. Incline your ear, oh God. What is prayer? See me, God, in the dark night of my soul. What is prayer? Verse 17, truly, O Lord, the king, those kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands. They've cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore, they were destroyed. What is it? This is a key part of his prayer, a key part of our prayers, and it's simply this, confession. And if you have church experience, you immediately hear confession of sin. And that is a big piece to confession. That's not what confession is. You know what confession is? It's facing real, real truth, just facing reality. It's just saying, yeah, so that is sin. Like, I've sinned. Like, I've blown it. This is sin. I'm not going to call it a mistake. I'm not going to call it a, an error. It's sin. That's confession, right? But some, what he's confessing in this prayer is, I'm terrified. This nation has swallowed up other countries. But then he confesses more truth, and he says, yeah, but their gods weren't real gods. You are God. More confession. It's just facing truth. It's just saying this is real. I was like, what are we hiding from? We can hide from others. I can hide maybe from my own heart, but I'm not going to hide from God. It's a silly game we play where we just empty words of prayer. And God's just like, bring me the real stuff. Say what's really there. You're scared. You, you, you're, you're angry. Say it. It's like God knows anyway, right? So con that's what confession is. is. This is real. This is true. I, I know I shouldn't be, be still tempted to sin, but I am. I know that I, I shouldn't be so angry at that person or so, so judgmental in that situation, but I am. That's confession. I'm afraid. I'm lonely. I'm sick. Help me. It's just facing reality. That's what Hezekiah did. That's how we pray. And so then he concludes, verse 19. Again, between the first verse and this one, I, I love this. He says, so now, O Lord, our God, so now, O Lord, our God, so now, O oh Lord, our God, save us. Save us. Please. From his hand, send a cherub, of course. That, and all the kingdoms, Lord, they'll know of the earth. They'll know that you, O oh Lord, are God alone. And so the reason I love this part of Hezekiah's prayer, whether he knew it or not, is he's giving us the core message of all of Scripture, of all of God's revelation to us, and that is this. God alone saves. Only God can save. Have you 
in faith, laid an anchor, and cried out. And I'm not saying you went to church, you bought a Bible. I'm saying you've just recognized that only God can save and in faith cried out. See, because your enemy isn't sent a cherub. He's long dead. God dealt with him, all right? Your greatest enemy, whether you know it or not, is you. Right? It's you. No one's hurt you more than you. No one's betrayed you more than you have. And so as you come to the end of yourself and you just say, I can't do it, now you lift your eyes and you say, God saved me through the son Jesus who died in my place and rose in victory and gives me new life. Save me. Have you done that? <laughs> I love you too much to not put that before you constantly. I don't know. This is my first week here. You don't love me. Yes, I do. I, have, I don't know how you're wired, but God wires us in ways that sometimes you're like, oh. And sometimes you're like, I still don't know why. I'm just really weird. I don't know why he did that. But one of the ways God's wired me, sometimes to a fault, is this gene of loyalty. Like I just have this like thing that when I feel like, you know, you're here and it's like I just so want you to succeed and thrive and flourish and win and, and make a mark of this world. Like, all right, I'll give you an example. This past weekend, we were up there with the teens. And I don't know if you've ever been to one of those retreats, but with, with the students, they, they split them right away in, in two groups. Um, and you earn points all weekend. And they mean nothing, right? In the end, one leader of the losing team gets egg on their head, and that wasn't going to be me. So I wasn't worried about it, right? We get to Saturday night. It's pretty much um, over. They're like, hey, a few more points will be given out, but it's as close as it's ever been. Right, so we had, um, in, in amongst our teams, we had a seventh grade girl named Aubrey, and Aubrey is so competitive, so driven, and really good at a lot of stuff. So all weekend, because they bring kids up on stage, they eat horrible stuff, they do things, right, they win points. And all weekend, she was like, please, please, please. So this Saturday night comes along, they're going to choose someone from our team, and Aubrey's going, and we're all going, right? And they pick her, right? And so Aubrey goes up to the stage, running up to the stage, right? And, and they, the other uh, team brought someone up as, as well. Everyone's getting, getting excited. And I go up to the front to, to take pictures and to film it with my, with my phone. And, and, I, and I'm like, all right, because we don't know what the contest is going to be, right? And this, this is a picture, actually, that I took. That was the context. You get blindfolded, and you have to stack solo cups in a minute and see how high you can make it. I'm like, oh, I would be so bad at that. It would be a miserable experience, right? So I don't know what came over me, right? I'm up there. It's just this thing, right? And I'm just standing there, and I'm like, come on, Aubrey. you got to win this, right? Not because I cared about the points, because I wanted her to win, right? It was like I felt like I was watching the Celtics in the NBA Finals. And if you know me, that's intense, right? That's, that's as high as it gets. And so we're, we're, we're watching and we're, we're cheering and I'm, I'm like, right? And so the minute goes, and I'll, I'll just give you the, the result picture of it. That's what she did. She had to start taking cups from the other girl. It was amazing. Blindfolded, like, you're not supposed to be doing that, right? And I, I'm cheering, I'm excited. And then later on in, in a circle with our teens, I was able to kind of give that as an example. It's like, we love you. We love you. I wouldn't have said that in my 20s. I would have been too embarrassed, but I don't care anymore. Right? I don't care anymore. And I say to you, I don't love you as much as the teens, but I do love you. And I do. It was two teens we had just met the night before. I said, you guys are included in this because we want you to win, but not win a silly game. We want you to win by knowing Christ, really knowing him. And so have you. I love you too much. I don't care what, what, what gets said online. I don't care the reputation as long as I have breath. 
As long as I have breath, I'm going to tell you only God in the name of Jesus Christ saves. That's it. Have you put your faith in him? Have you cried out and said, save me? There's no magic words. Just put your faith in him. Come to the end of yourself. You know it's not working. And so just, just, just say, save me. I did that. Man, I battled that for years. I can do it. Oh, please. And so if, if, if you've never done that, you can't. If you have, I know there's a lot of you that have done that, that you've, you've whatever the context was. But the thing is, is, it never ends. You can continually bring your burdens in the name of Jesus to God and say, save me. Save me. You just be direct. You just confess. You say, God, I don't know why I keep going back to porn, but save me from it. I don't know why I keep drinking like that. Save me from it. Help me. I don't know why my boss is such a tyrant, but save me from that situation. I don't know why I'm so depressed. Save me. Right? Whatever it is, cry out to God. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. And the, the, the end of um, verse 19 will give us this tone. I'll bet, because I've been there. In fact, my envelope, what I wrote down is in this category. You have cast your burdens on the Lord maybe multiple times and you have not received an answer. You don't have to raise your hand, but I know a lot of you are in that. What about me? So here's the key to your prayer. Hezekiah, it's the, it's the tone, it's the backdrop of it at the end. What does he say? Why should you save me? Why will you save us? Not for our comfort and pleasure, but that all kingdoms of the earth may know that you, O Lord, are God alone. You're, the backdrop of your prayer, even when you're asking him to deliver you from your burden, is, oh, Lord, may you get the glory. That's got to be the tone because there are times God is going to receive more glory if you sit for a little longer in your pain. If you sit for a little longer in your pain, and he might just say to you like he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. But that, it's not just about me, it's about his glory. Remember the, the woman who bled for 12 years? No husband, no money, no church, nothing until she met Jesus. Why wait 12 years so Jesus could get the glory? Remember Lazarus, he dies, his sisters are all in Jesus' grill. Like You could have you healed him. And he said, yeah, but I'm going to get far more glory when I raise him from the grave. And so I'm not saying he's not going to answer. I'm just saying you wait for his timing and keep going. Don't, you're not bothering God. Keep casting your burdens, and in his perfect timing, he will receive the glory, and you will have the benefit of his grace. So keep casting your burdens. Keep going, no matter how hard it might be. Now, what was the answer? Well, it's, if you know the story, you're like, wow, that's kind of long, and we won't go through it. We don't have the time. I'll give you one sentence. But um, essentially, they, they came back to town, to the Syrians, and uh, the Spirit of the Lord sent out, well, he sent out the Spirit and killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. Yikes. We think maybe it was a plague of some kind, but we don't really know how that worked out. What I love is you can actually read um, translations of the history from Assyria itself, from King Sennacherib. He wrote his volumes of how great he was as a king, right? And he includes this. This is what he says. I left the king uh, Hezekiah in his, uh, the city of Jerusalem like a bird in a cage. But he never quite explains 
why he didn't destroy Jerusalem like he did all the other countries and why he didn't uh, replace that king like he did all the other kings. He didn't tell us why, but we know why. Because Assyria turned tail and went back home. Because he was powerful, but God was so much more powerful. And then, and then Sennacherib died. His own son killed him. Great way to die. But here's ultimately where I want us to land in that answer that God gave him. He, after uh, Hezekiah prayed, Isaiah sends another word and included a lot. But here's just where I want you to land. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Israel your prayer to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. I've heard it. Isn't that beautiful? God has heard it. I just want whatever the burden you're, you're, you're laying before the Lord, in the name of Jesus, the Lord hears you. He hears you. Oh, he really hears you. Everything you lay, everything you cast, he, he hears you, he sees you. Whatever the problem, whatever the burden, whatever, I, I just, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. He hears, he hears you. He hears your cries in the night. He hears your groans in the morning. He hears you. He hears you and he sees you. Every last little prayer. Keep going. Keep believing and don't give up. As we pray, I want to give you space to pray. So if you would, close your eyes if you're able to do that. You don't have kids or something you're watching. It's just an opportunity for you to talk to God. And just... Just what I want you to physically just picture yourself kind of casting whatever burden. Maybe it's small, maybe you're in a good season, or maybe it's a deep storm like Hezekiah. Maybe you need to actually throw it to the foot of the cross before you leave. That's fine. But picture yourself. What is it? And just pray right now. Just pray. In your own words, silently to God. Help me, God. Deliver me, God. See me in my loneliness. Save me, save our marriage, save, help me in my singleness and my purity. Deliver me from that sin. Just pray your words. Just pray. God, help. And if you've never had the opportunity to just fully trust in Jesus Christ, he's the only one who can save you. We just sang that a little, bit, a little while ago. Have you, in faith, said, Jesus, save me? This is your opportunity to do it. Not your only opportunity, but I, 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 I pray, oh God, you'd give them the faith to believe. Give them the faith to just say, Jesus, Help me, save me, deliver me. And Lord, whatever burdens have been cast at your feet today, I am praying 
I pray with all my heart in the name of the Lord Jesus, by the power of your spirit, that we would see miraculous healing from disease. We would see uh, triumphs in relationships. We'd see people break through with their depression. We, We would see miracles because nothing is too big for you. I pray for that, God. I pray for that. That you'd give your answer as quickly as you gave Hezekiah. But Lord, I feel a burden to pray for those of us who For now, you say no. For now, you say no. You'll receive more glory if we stay for a while longer in the pain and the burden. Sustain us. Help us. Give us courage not to to cut corners. Hold fast to you. To remember that you hear us. You hear every prayer. And your answer is better than ours all the glory might go to your name, the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you can, stand with us and let's worship.